man, summer has hit. Bam! Okay, we're going to, we're, we're going to, um, I've got some exciting stuff for you tonight. Some of you are just going to go, wow, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Who wrote the book of Jonah? Jonah. Jonah, very good. Very good, very good, okay. What if I spoke that way the whole time? I'm spitting. Um, and who did he write it to? We do not know. We do not know who he wrote to, right? Okay, we don't know. When was it written around? 800, that's right. 800 BC, before Christ, back then, way, almost 2,000 years ago, it was written. And what was the city that Jonah did not want to go to because they were fish slappers? They were evil. Who? Where? Nineveh. Say, everybody say Nineveh. You got to say it. That's, that's the way it's in the Hebrew. Okay. Okay, so. This is the story we've gotten so far in Jonah. This is the fourth week we've been in it. We skipped a couple because of graduation and Dan in the mountains and all sorts of stuff. So we're back into it. Fourth week. God says, go. Jonah says, no. Says, no. Right? Very good. He flees on a boat. God sends a storm and it barely stays afloat. Afloat. That's right. Because the sailors fear the Lord, they throw Jonah overboard. Y'all, this is fun, isn't it? Okay. And the the waters that were angry and strong immediately become oh so calm. Poor Jonah now begins to flail until he's swallowed by a or big fish. Yes, whale. Right. That's whale. Whales. Right. In the belly of the fish where it doth stink, Jonah. Finally, begins to think. See, he hadn't been thinking. He's just uh, he commits his life to God once more, and the great fish hurls him onto the. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful how this rhymes? When are you, are you okay? You just imagine that hurl. Have you seen a whale throw up? <laughs> Have you ever seen the videos of where they blow up the whale thinking that'll help get rid of the old whale carcass that's on the beach? Have you not seen this video? Yeah. Y'all got to look up, just a side note, look up. What? I've been on vacation, man, okay? Get off my back. Okay. You? Gen- Genesis is already on his phone going, whale blow up. Okay. <laughs> so what happens is they see this whale. They think this is in the 1970s. They think it would be a great idea to blow up the whale because it's just dead and the, like nastiness is on the beach. They don't know how to get rid of it. So they put di- di- dynamite on and in the whale. And they, everybody scoots back, and they blow that sucker up, and whale blubber goes flying everywhere. Everybody is covered in whale guts. Cars are demolished by the big thousand-pound pieces of whale that have been been blown up into like half a mile away. You gotta watch the video. It's like old-timey. You're trying to tell. You know, it's not like I, I can't watch this. This ain't high def. Okay, it's not high def. Okay, but. Okay, so that's the whale story. Okay, Jonah. We back to, to Jonah. Are you with me now? Okay, that, that's our fun. Um, I do want to share a story, and um, y'all are just going to go, man. This is the best story I've ever heard in my life. Y'all are going to weep. Here's a picture of um, me in kindergarten. Take a look. Take a look. Oh, look at that. 
Dude, man. Man, I was a cutie pie. Poor Joseph. Um, so that was me. Now, 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 just leave that up for a second. And let me tell you, in kindergarten, I had a friend named Carl Blastic. Take, take a look at, at, at Carl. This was my best friend. Carl Blastic here. Now, um, the, the story goes, I remember flashes of this, but when I was young, I was, I would always, when mom would come to pick me up from school, I would always be crying every day. And this went on for like weeks and months, and she didn't know why. Finally, she learned that Carl Blastic had been telling sweet little cute Dan had been telling me that when my mom when that when I was at school my mom and dad were packing up the house and they were going to move away and I would never see them again. And so every day I was sure that I would just be I would get find some ride home and there would be nobody there and I'd be all alone. Keith, are you okay? You're crying? A, t- a tissue? You need tissue? Okay, go ahead. Why are you wearing PJs? Those are not PJs. Those are cowboy. That's a cowboy shirt that is sweet. I mean, if I still had it, dude, you'd be like, dude. Okay, and it's black and white. That's all we had back then, okay? This is like high def back then. It's a cowboy shirt with lassos. That's what the round thing is on the shoulder. Focus, come, come back to me. Okay, can we put it back to Carl, please? We didn't make fun of Carl. We made fun of Dan because he was just so cute. So, wait. Don't got to understand. Every day, Carl would tell me my mom and dad were never going to come back. Every day, my parents came and picked me up. Finally, my mom learned that Carl had been telling me. And this went on for months. And I don't know why, but every day, I would all of a sudden believe Carl again. So this is what I would call the first bully I ever had in my life. Have you ever had a bully in your life? Yeah, I think mo- most of us have. We may not admit it, but we've been bu- bullied to some part. This is where it began for me. Now, um, you know, I punched his teeth out. I'm kidding. I was scared to death. He was like, big. he looks tough, doesn't he? I mean, and I claimed him as, like, he looks like what? I thought you said he looked like my mom. I was like going, dude, I'm, everybody slap David on the back. No, David's like, no, no I'm kidding. He's going to swing. Okay. He does look like a chipmunk because he, he probably stole my lunch and ate it right before the picture. David, did, did you hear me? That was pretty good. It's all good. They're messing with me. Okay, quit. Quit. Let's come back. There's a point to the message tonight, maybe. What are some characteristics of a, of a bully? Just name some things. What's a bully? If you can describe a bully, what's a bully? Hey, what? What? Key. No, really. Come on now. Focus with me. Characteristics of a bully. Um, usually it's a person that takes their banger on other people knowing that he has his own problem. Okay, they're mean, but they've got a reason for being mean. Keith. Lonely. L- lonely, and that's the only way they can cope. Okay, what else is a bully? If you can describe a bully, what, what else do you see? Not necessarily just the deep thoughts on it. A bully's a jerk. Do you all agree with that? That's a good way to put it. A bully's a meanie. Meany, meany. They're selfish. They're, 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 usually they stink. I think of bullies. I stink most of them. Right? Are you with me? Sort of? Who here loves bullies? What? 
There's always one in the room. They need love. Thank you, babe, for killing my point. Boys need love. That's my first point. No, I'm kidding. Let me ask you this, because this has a very big point to our story. What does the Bible tell us about how we're supposed to treat our enemies? To love. Do we know where in Scripture it might be found, where it says love? You do, because you got it sitting right in front of the screen. I was like, good sitting. Oh, Sydney. In Luke chapter, is it 6? Verse 27 and 28. Put, put that on the screen. I just want you to see this. It says, but I tell you, hear me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do you understand that for those that are even against us we're supposed to love even for me Carl Blastic I've got him I'm supposed to love him forgive him to to love him um there's a point that I got to make sure I get here um what if I told you on this very night there was someone in your life that was sort of a bully sort of mean to you always mean to you and I said this um, God saying and I was right God was speaking to you that you need to go to this bully and tell them to repent and start being nice you need to go tell them to um, start doing good and to turn to God and if he doesn't do it in 40 days God will squash him some of you sort of want to cheer inside going yeah tell them that and I'll be waiting for God to squash them. Right? I get revenge time. Um, some, some of you um, go dude no way they'll bully me more if I do that. Are you crazy? Right? You, you, you feel that? We're about to look at a text here and Jonah if I could put a title to the message for tonight I don't have one. I just don't have one because there's just sort of too much there. <laughs> Isn't that great? But this is this is where I turn to Jonah 3, and it's going to come together right here. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Does anybody have a Bible? We're done with school. Got a couple of Bibles. Make sure you bring them. Think you can be. Verse 1 through 4 to be on the screen, starting in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Great, not as one that is good, but great that is, is big. And call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, once again, the first time God said, Go, Jonah said, No. no. This time God says, Go, and Jonah goes. Okay? And it says in verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breadth. We don't know what that really means. Some say that it was such a large city, it was about 27 square miles, which would be a very humongous city for that day. And it says verse 4, That Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So we see he goes where God says to go. So the first point, in, in there's th- three points. First thing we see in the story, because Jonah has not been serving God at all. He's not been living for God at all. He's been running from God the whole time. And instead of running this time, now he responds. When God says go, he goes. So that we see him respond. And I want you to understand this. Sometimes God gives a second 
chances. Have you ever had an opportunity in your life to do something for God, to speak up for God, and it went by and you passed it up? And you're like, ah, dad gum. I should have I should have said something. I should have done. Have you ever had that before? I've I've had it before. I've got a specific story just in my in my in my in my sort of big scope life, and that is um, when I was twenty, God began to call me to to preach. And I said, No way, I can't talk. Which all of yeah, you're right, you can't talk. But you know, you know, no way, I can't talk, I can't do it. And for two years I ran from God. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be a chef. I can't cook. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be a PT guy. I hate science. Okay, everything was going against me. And so finally after two years, and God gave me chance after chance, and I ran and ran, but finally he gave me a chance where it all clicked. And this all of a sudden we see that it clicks here for Jonah. And his message is simple. Look at what he says. All we see is a little phrase here. There's probably more to it, but this is sort of the main gist of it. In 40 days you're going to be annihilated. Get right or get left, turn or burn, fly or fry, then fly or sanctify. I mean, that's sort of what he says. He says, you better get right with God or he's going to kill you all in 40 days. And he probably, I don't know if you understand this point, but he's in a city that is wicked. That they're mean, they're bullies. They've been against God all the time. And Jonah... He's going to, because he's, you ask, why did he run? He ran because he didn't want to go talk to him. They didn't deserve it. And a lot of times we've got bullies in our life and we go, man, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve grace. They don't deserve love. They don't deserve to turn to God. They're mean. So that, why did he run? That's why he ran. He's like, man, they hurt me. They're, they're me. I don't want any part of their, of, of their life. So he goes in there and his message is, is, is simple. In 40 days, if you don't get right, God will smite you all. If, if you're about to be, be, be smited, that's not a good thing. Okay? So you uh, smote. Okay, no smoting. <laughs> um, question. Do you think jo- Jonah believes they're going to, to change? Because he's walking around going, man, turn burn. God's going to kill y'all in 40 days. Better get right. You, you think? And if you look at the text, if you look at the, the whole book, it almost implies that I mean, he's hoping they don't. They don't deserve it. They're, they're mean. But now look at this. Read verse 5 because there's something huge here I want you to get. Because this point is huge for salvation for everybody's life. Look at this in verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. It doesn't say they took 40 days to believe. It seems like as soon as he began to speak, they heard and they responded. They believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of, to the least of them. Do you, do you know what sackcloth is? Have you ever had a burlap sack, sack race where you have been in it and had to, to hop on the field? I know, David, y'all do it at your family Easter, Thanksgiving, New Year's picnic, right? Where you, have you ever felt that, that cloth? Is it soft like cotton or is it rough? It's rough. And they would take off their clothes and put sackcloth on that would just rub against them and be abrasive against them. And it says that they put this stuff on and they fasted. We're going to see why they did this in a second. They're going to do more than that too. Look at in verse 6. It says the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in at. 
ashes. Okay, the king does four things here. And I, I want you to hear, this is the king. This is the guy who is, who is in charge, large and in charge. He is, he is the most important man in the room all the time. What he says go, to many he's like a god. And when he hears this truth going, hey, if y'all don't repent, if y'all don't quit doing wrong, quit doing evil and start to do good and turn to God, God is going to wipe out the city. The king hears word and it says the king responds. He does four, four things that are important, but you, we, we read them and we miss them. First thing he, he, he does is he arose from, from his throne. Where he sat, when he sat in his throne, he was in authority over the kingdom. That's where he ruled the kingdom. And so when he arises from the throne, it's a symbol of him laying down his authority. Because when, you've got to, when you come before God, anybody, no matter who you are, you have no authority before God. You are nothing. Understand that. It says that then he, he does this. It says he, he removed his robe. His robe was a rich robe, a sign of wealth and prestige. And can I tell you, when you come before God, you cannot come as one that is a high class. You are one that is poor and destitute. And the king removes his robe. And it's a sign that that's the only way we can come to God. Poor, without anything. We have no wealth. We have no strength on our own. It says that he covered himself with sackcloth. And doing that is a sign of humility. Okay? And no one can come to God without being humble. You cannot come to God proud. You've got to be humble. Why would they do the sackcloth? And they would fast. And they would have ashes dumped on them. Do you know what? Ashes were. It was just. It's a lot of things that were cooked or sacrificed. So it, was, it wasn't just like oh, it's some wood that was burned. It was some nasty ashes, and it was dirty and gross. And it says that he put the ashes on him. Because can I tell you, we all come when we come before God. We come before Him dirty and disgusting. We are dirty and disgusting in light of who God is, no matter how great you think you are. So the king does these, these four things, and it's in it that he, he comes with no authority, he comes with no wealth, he comes in humility, and he comes dirty just as he is. And, and look, look here in the next verse. It says in verse uh, 7, And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Now the king also, man, this king is not playing around. He's not saying, okay, everybody, all of my subjects, sackcloth, ashes, call out to God. So he doesn't kill us. They can do sackcloth, ashes, call to God. And hey, you know your cows, they can't eat. The cows and every beast of burden and every every sheep and everything we have, we're going to stick it into a spot where it cannot eat. And we're going to even ridiculously, you might think, put sackcloth on it so they're uncomfortable just like we are. And do you understand when you repent? Because that's what they're doing. They're turning from sin and they're turning to God. But do you know that when you truly repent, you've got to repent from everything? You, you, when you truly come to God, it's not just part of your life that you give Him. It's all of your life. And such a picture that He even says the animals, even they will partake in what we're doing because they are what we, we, we own and now this belongs, this is part of God's. And I mean, it's a, it's a picture, and don't miss it, that when, when we, we, we come to God, God wants us to come with everything we have, with every part of our life, 
whether it's our friendships, whether it's our family, whether it's the girlfriend or boyfriend, whether it's school, whatever it is, he wants every part of your life. And then it says, the king says this. He says, who, who, who knows? We'll move verse 8. He says, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. You know what I like about this king? Because this was a lost guy. Before up to this point, I believe that God did an amazing work among these that were not Jews, and he brought them somehow into his fold. But this guy doesn't go, okay, hey, the guy said if we repent and if we cry out to God uh, and get right, then we'll be okay. But he says, who knows? Maybe if we do all this stuff, God may relent. He doesn't expect God to because he understands that God's still God. Now, we can come to God and go, God, I'm doing all this for you, I expect you to make my life great. Just because we live for God doesn't mean your life is going to be great and easy on this earth. Right? Right. Right. Very good. So point one was that Jonah responds. Point two is Nineveh repents. And they really repent. It is a picture which we rarely see nowadays of, of someone who walks away from sin and they totally embrace and Embrace Christ. Um, and now look here in verse 10. It says this, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. An amazing thing occurs right here. We see that Jonah responds, that Nineveh repents, and God relents. That means God doesn't doesn't do. Um, some say, "Well, did God change His mind?" No, God just sort of saw the movement of the people, and He responded to their obedience. And, and um, can I tell you this? The the Ninevites are historically known as being a wicked, wicked people. And they are unworthy. We would say, we would know some people, and you might say the Taliban or the so-and-so, they don't deserve God. They don't deserve His grace. <clears throat> but the truth is, um, do we deserve His grace? You know, Romans 3.10, I think we've got that verse there. Uh, it, it says, 3.10 through 12, it says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And this group, this, this city that we, we read about is, is wicked apart from God. Do you understand that we all are? We all are just like them in such need of God in our life and His forgiveness in our life. And that forgiveness only comes through Christ. Um, a psalm that I love, and I just sort of put up here as we sort of wrap things up tonight, is a Psalm 145.8. It says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Who, who is this God that, that we serve? This is the God that we serve. Um, can I remind you tonight that, um, we, that, that God is merciful. Man, he's merciful to you and me. And I, I just want, I hope that if you have partaken, that you've accepted and put your faith and trust in Christ in your life, that you leave here tonight going, hey, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank, 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 thank you that for in spite of who I, I am, you love me. In spite of who I am, you forgive me. In spite of who I am, um, you put your grace 
in my life. Because as we read the passage here, we see God do a work in them, but man, God did the same work in us. Same work in you and me. And he may not have done that work in your life yet. You may be hearing it. Don't mean I'm struggling. I don't know if I really understand this or believe this or not. Talk to someone about it. Don't, you know, if there's questions at all, well, I've got some adults in the back of the room. My wife's here. I'm here. Man, do not leave it alone uh, if God is speaking. Because um, God calls us to repent. Repent means turn away from sin and turn to Him. And that means every part of your life. Let's pray and we'll, we'll be, we'll be close tonight. Dear God, we, we thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for the story of jo- jo- Jonah. And um, Lord, the, the fact that... He did obey you. Uh, he was obedient uh, after a while. And Lord, help us to be that way. Help us to be obedient. When you speak to us, when you tell us to go to that person across the street or the, the person we see at the store or um, just to be a friend to someone that we know that it's just hard to be friends with, uh, Lord, give us the courage and strength just to, to step out in faith and to do it, to obey you wherever you say to go. And Lord, where we go, help us just to talk about you, just to bring your name up. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord, I thank you that no matter who we are, we all come to you the same. Uh, we've got to come humble. We, we're poor. We're, we're dirty. Uh, and uh, Lord, you give grace. Uh, and so Lord, bless each one here. Lord, help the, this, this summer be a time where we're wise in the choices that we make and that we honor you in what we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We cut it a little bit short tonight. We got um, for those that are, are are meeting for the World Changers meeting. It's going to be in here, right around this spot, right here, in about five to seven minutes. So that's it. We do have the edge next week. So.